Hey, it's Kate. Hey, it's Anissa. Fosco Works has a bonus episode for you today. It's part of a custom podcast called Productivity Confidential, produced in partnership with Citrix. We'll be back next week with a new episode of Secrets of the Most Productive People. I'm your host, Ted Brown, and this is Productivity Confidential, a custom podcast from Fosco Works and Citrix. We'll hear the secrets to increase workplace creativity and productivity with the help of new technologies and strategies. On this episode, we're looking at how new workplaces are designed to benefit employee health and wellness. I'm talking with Rachel Gutter, the president of the International Well Building Institute. The IWBI ensures buildings are optimized for work and wellness. They take into consideration things like mental health, comfort, exercise, and healthy eating. Think of it like a lead certification for well-being. Rachel Gunner, welcome to Productivity Confidential. Thanks for having me. What in your life got you to this point where you wanted to focus on wellness, wellness in the workplace, wellness through design, wellness for employees, things like that? For me, wellness began as a personal pursuit. I've been practicing yoga for almost 20 years now. I go in and out of having a regular meditation practice, For if I'm completely honest. For me, wellness is a journey and a constant pursuit. As an executive, I've got a lot on my plate and a lot of stressors, as most executives do. And I use wellness and mindfulness to keep my head on straight and to give me the tools that I need to cultivate my own inner resilience and be the best leader that I can be. One of the things that I love the most about the job is that um, wellness is part of our, our mission. It's part of our DNA. So I feel that it's our charge to model good behavior. And so, you know, it feels like taking breaks throughout the day, starting the day with with a, a yoga class, eating healthy is part of the job description and part of what it means to really be authentic in this role. Has that definition of wellness sort of changed in how people, uh, how designers and how employers look at employee wellness? Is it sort of transformed over your, the course of your career? Absolutely. Although I think that maybe the public perception of what wellness is all about is still in the process of shifting. Wellness in design has become hyper-technical. It's become rooted in science and research. It's about air quality, water quality, thermal comfort, acoustics, as much as it's about nourishment, uh, staying moving throughout the day, and mental health and fortitude. And so I think that we have this abundance of evidence that helps us to make better design choices that enhance results uh, in terms of staff health, uh, recruitment, retention, and so forth. And we're learning more and more both how to apply those uh, different best practices and strategies as well as measure them. So I think that's the other major development is that now for you know a totally affordable price off of Amazon, you can buy a pretty decent air filter that will give you a live reading to your to your phone, you know, VOCs, CO2, PM 2.5, PM 10, you know, all these different characteristics of air quality. We have wearables now that can, you know, do everything from count steps and calories for us to um, detecting our, our stress levels through the sweat that we secrete that touches the sensor. So there's actually the tools uh, to understand whether our intentions for wellness are actually working um, and then to make tweaks along the way. So I think that's been another major development in the field. It's interesting talking about companies that offered a lot of things to especially to tech workers and sort of these these uh, creature comforts that went a long way in attracting the top talent but it feels like we're in something of uh, a wellness 2.0 movement where yeah. instead of just having 
a buffet at lunch or a dry cleaner on on premises. Right. You're having uh, healthy meals prepared for every day for every yeah. ter- dietary restriction. You're having uh, dry cleaners that don't use any any harmful chemicals, things like that. So, can you talk a little bit about what this sort of next evolution, where this came from, and why it sort of germinated? Why this happened? We have more data uh, and we have more science now, so um, we can. We can match what the data says to the interventions and improvements that we're making in the workplace. So, you know, I think a lot of those early efforts were just about creating. Remember that movie Big, you know, where Tom Hanks has like all of the incredible like toys in his pimped out apartment. I think that, you know, that was the first version of wellness in the workplace. I'm using quotations. And, you know, it was just kind of blinged out. It was all of like the cool bells and whistles. But smart employers started to say, why don't I just select from those different like strategies and features that are actually going to have an impact on my employees? And it turns out we have a massive body of knowledge to help us to make those decisions. There have been a handful of studies that have come out recently that really have guided the design community. There's a study that came out from the Harvard School of Public Health called COGFX. And that study was able to tie improved air quality to um, improved outcomes in productivity and, and cognition. And that was a kind of holy grail. And in fact, that, that study was really looking at green buildings. So one thing that's really interesting is that um, this health and wellness movement is really the second wave of sustainability coming out of the green building movement, where we started out with green buildings doing something that we thought was going to be healthy for the planet. And what we realized along the way was that it was healthy for people too. And now I think that more and more our attention shifts to those human-focused improvements. Luckily, it turns out that oftentimes what's good for us is also good for our planet. So we've gone from sort of uh, these ping pong beanbag arms races to actually using technology to measure how well our employees are feeling at work and sort of their lives holistically. Yeah. I mean, I think we started with a lot of the vanity measures, if you will, you know, the uh, the wellness bling. <laughs> and sure, that some of those things are really um, impactful and effective, you know, like a sit-stand desk, which is oftentimes one of the hallmarks of an office that's really focused on, on health and well-being, is incredibly effective uh, for reducing workplace injuries and for creating better conditions for productivity throughout the day, improved focus, and ultimately just improving health overall. Why do you think that wellness has become such a hot topic now for employers? If I suggested to you that I had a solution that could enhance productivity, decrease turnover, improve retention and recruitment, (laughs) what business would turn us down, right? I mean, this is the holy grail. It's what we've been looking for is to understand how we can have a more productive workforce to generate better results for the organization. And it turns out that wellness is a kind of framework and well creates a roadmap for organizations that want to do just that. I don't think that we're under any illusion that many employers who choose to pursue well certification do it for altruistic purposes. But that's the beauty of what we call the triple bottom line, that intersection of people, planet, and prosperity. We shoot for that intersection with well, and you can't really go wrong. Are there immediate tells when you walk into a building that this is going to be a fantastic place for employee wellness? There are a lot of visual cues that um, help you to key into an organization's commitment to wellness and more importantly, to help employees to really see their employer's commitment. 
I was at a Deloitte office in London recently, and I was on a tour with the workplace wellness leader, and he was very proudly showing me the meditation room. And then out of nowhere, this voice came and said, uh, excuse me, could you keep it down? I'm meditating. And I thought, oh my gosh, it's really working. You know, it's so awesome to see these spaces in, in action and to hear from employees who say that this has a profound impact, not just on their work experience, but their entire life. There are many other things, though, that are inspired by well that, you know, as I'm walking through a space, I'm taking note of and that um, maybe are more visual indicators of an organization's commitment to health and well-being. I mentioned sit-stand desks, but I really love my balance board where I can uh, stand and, 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 and move around a little bit. There are edible gardens. I was just at a, a, a well-certified architecture firm, Cook Fox, here in, in New York City. They've got an outdoor garden where employees grow vegetables and fruits, and now they're generating more than 100 pounds of honey a year, but also providing a local habitat for birds and bees and butterflies in the heart of New York City in a high rise. Um, so there's a lot of kind of visual cues but the most important things that are happening in a well space are things that you don't see. So you don't necessarily see the enhanced acoustics, the superior air and water quality, the improved ergonomics, the optimized conditions for thermal comfort or circadian lighting um, that helps us to regulate our sleep cycles. Um, and so a lot of that stuff is going on under the hood. We'll be back with more from Rachel Gutter after this. At Citrix, we're working hard to simplify the work experience, to transform how people collaborate, create, and innovate. As Director of Real Estate and Strategy, I strive to create choices and opportunities for movement in our new workplaces. Mobility is much more feasible with strong supporting technology, like laptops, virtual workspaces, and soft phones that enable employees to work anywhere on any device within the office. This makes it easier to choose the optimal environment for each task, to easily collaborate with peers, and to get in motion. I'm Jenna Geigerman, and I'm helping the world work better. Learn more at citrix.com fastco. Have you sort of seen how wellness can impact productivity in a positive way? Are there measures that have taken over in the last few years that have become sort of central to that? Absolutely. And the projects that get certified under the Well Building Standard, which is our principal offering at IWBI, their performance data speaks for itself. We know that when employees feel that their employers are invested in their well-being, that they're 38% more engaged at work. And we see that bearing out in many of the different certified projects. So for instance, I visited a JLL office in Shanghai recently that had zero turnover uh, the first year after they became well-certified. And they said that had never happened in, in, in history. Productivity is related to absenteeism. How much do people show up at work? And Kundal's certified office in London saved 200,000 pounds in the first year because they were able to reduce sick days by um, four days per year per employee on average. Um, and they also saw a 27% reduction in staff turnover. There are many, many other stories that are coming from these certified offices that really indicate to us that employees are ready to show up at work as their best selves and they feel cared for by their employers. Thinking more on the technical side of things, there's a body of evidence, uh, for instance, that has linked improvements in air quality to improvements in uh, cognition, in problem solving. Um, we know that 
uh, access to daylight is linked to improved focus. Um, and so all of these different strategies that we're deploying in the workplace are actually scientifically proven to have an impact on our experience at work and our ability to get work done in the most productive way we can. As someone whose first job was in sort of an annex bunker, I, I appreciate the access to daylight equation of things. I think that I probably would have done better at my first job <laughs> if I had more access to daylight. Uh, but I do want to talk about employees for a second. I want to uh, hear from you if there's any stories that you've heard from individual employees, um, from teams that you've gone and seen at a, at a well a building that scores very highly on the well yeah. um, score and what they've said about uh, the improvements their company has done to get up to, up to snuff. Well, one of my favorite stories comes from the double platinum certified office of the American Society of Interior Designers in Washington, D.C., they're a great partner of ours, and they achieved well platinum as well as lead platinum certification. At that office, employee absenteeism has decreased by 19%. But my favorite story from that office is of a woman who lost more than 40 pounds in the first year. Why? Because fitness challenges, hydration challenges, um, healthier food choices, sit-stand desks, and other active furnishings, but most importantly, a culture of health that took root across the organization that allowed her to make those fundamental changes, not just at the office, but throughout her life. So, Rachel, what are some low-cost solutions for companies that want to improve their employee wellness? Lots of really good options here. Relative to water quality, installing a filter at the sinks so that everybody has great water quality and can be discouraged from bottled water um, is a pretty economical and uh, impactful solution. Flexible dress code or just keeping some blankets that get regularly washed around the office because not everybody is, is comfortable in the same conditions. Some like it hot, some like it cold. My boss likes it hot and I like it cold, we call it thermal comfort wars. But if you let people choose what they want to wear to the office, then they can supplement one way or the other. A little less clothing, a little more clothing. Standing desks are really easy to hack. You can stack up a bunch of books or they're really inexpensive uh, like desk props um, that you can place your laptop on that you can buy you know, on Amazon or pretty much um, any place that's selling office supplies these days giving people encouragement to take mindfulness breaks or beginning meetings with a mindful moment um, is a great way to help people to stay present and grounded and productive throughout the day. Nudges toward healthier food choices um, or offering healthy snacks uh, doesn't necessarily have to cost any more. Eliminating soda and offering healthier beverages, also a really easy and low cost thing to do. Taking movement breaks throughout the day helping people to understand ergonomics um, and how they can um, best set up their desks and their desk chairs um, to avoid uh, workplace injuries and for maximum comfort throughout the day. Lighting also is a place where increasingly you can make some serious improvements without a whole lot of money. For instance, putting lights on, on dimmers automatically and then giving people access to task lights so that they can modify the conditions at their, at their desk and rearranging the office um, to give people uh, more choice about where, where they locate or to give more people exposure to daylight is something that can be done for low or no cost as well. I remember using a cardboard box to make my first standing desk. So I know, <laughs> yeah. I know that hack very well. <laughs> exactly. I, it's so funny 
because um, that was one of the, the early complaints that we heard at IWBI. People said, these standing desks are so expensive. And I was like, what are you talking about? We used to just stack up our, our expired reference guides and prop our laptops on top of it. Nobody said that it had to be one of these super fancy ones with the, you know, mechanic, the electric, um, you know, adjustment and things like that. There, there are a lot of different ways to achieve the, the same results without having to spend a bunch of cash. And we're definitely learning that at our office where we're pursuing well certification in our own space and uh, don't have much of a budget for it. Some of the other things that we've done, we have a pet uh, policy. So we allow people to bring their dogs to work and man, um, donut and sage make us really happy, you know? And that's another thing that didn't cost us a thing, although maybe an, an occasional carpet cleaning here and there. Pets are an uh, underrated uh, aspect of wellness, I feel like, oh, for they, in the office at least. They so are. There is nothing like walking in and seeing like a zen out dog in your office and you're like, ah, oh, everything's going to be fine. So any desk is really a standing desk with the right attitude, I feel like. That's exactly right. I love that. That should be a new tagline. How has emerging technology played a role in wellness and in the future of wellness? I think that wellness is largely a technology-driven movement, which is a really good thing because I think for a while we weren't using the best of technology and the best of science to inform our choices. I think that technology is leading to some tremendous innovation, but I also think that we are sometimes in danger of becoming too attached to technology to solve our problems. You can install circadian lighting, but first, daylight. It's better to have real daylight than conditions that mimic daylight. And so I think that there's a lot that we can learn from our natural environments. Um, there's an amazing strand of science called biomimicry, which is all about taking cues from nature and applying that into our product design, into our building designs. And so I think we increasingly see that we can take cues from what's happening in our natural environments to enhance our indoor environments. We spend as a population, more than 90% of our time indoors. If we can't get outdoors more, which we should try to, then bringing plants inside, making sure that we have air quality um, that, that that's excellent, making sure we have access to daylight. You know, these are things that nature has always offered to us. These are things that have always sustained us. And then at some point we started building these boxes around ourselves to keep all that stuff out. Now I think that wellness is a lot about bringing that stuff back in. Now I want you to get out your crystal ball for a second and think about what the idealized workplace of the future looks like mm. for wellness. I think it looks a lot like bringing the outdoors in. I think that offices that prize well-being are oftentimes filled with plants, which we know have an impact on everything from mood to air quality. I think that we're looking at offices that really prize mindfulness and emulate those values from the top down, the importance of taking breaks uh, and contemplative practice, I think, is another trend that is emergent in the workplace. And I think that we're seeing some really interesting evolutions in technology, particularly around lighting and circadian lighting, um, which not only helps us uh, to be more productive at work, but helps us to get a good night's sleep. And finally, I think that we'll be more data-driven and that data will come to us in real time. Um, we'll be able to know 
what the air quality is, what the water quality is, how that space is performing, how people are feeling, and be able to make adjustments really quickly. So the rapid evolution of sensor technology is making it possible to measure all kinds of things that we've never been able to measure before so that we can actually not just take a guess at what we think is going to create wellness in the in the workforce, um, but use a data-driven approach to get there. Rachel, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. As Rachel brought up a few times during the interview, a well employees, an employee who feels that their wellness needs are met is just significantly more productive. When someone is happy and healthy and going to work, they do better work and they do more efficient work. Wellness and productivity are one and the same. They're symbiotic with each other. So if your employees and your staff and your coworkers are well, they're going to do better, quicker, more efficient work for you. Thanks for listening to Productivity Confidential. Next week, Secrets of the Most Productive People will be back with a new episode. Productivity Confidential is produced by Fastco Works in partnership with Citrix. I'm your host, Ted Brown. Our producer is Danielle Roth.